Improv Beat by Beat. I'm Curtis Rutherford. I interviewed 24 different improvisers and then edited together chunks of those interviews to investigate different aspects of improv one piece at a time. This is Episode 8, First Beats. Once the opening is done, it's time for the first beats. First beats are the part of the Herald where the ideas and premises from the pattern game are molded and hardened into the games that will be used in the rest of the Herald. Whatever promise there was in the idea from the opening has to be delivered on in that first beat. This episode overlaps a lot with the opening episodes, episodes 5 through 7, because how you pull from your opening is going to affect how you start your first beats. Are you directly stealing lines of dialogue, or characters, or even a setting from the opening? Or are you just taking a half idea from the opening and starting more organically? The team should all know how they plan to use that opening to influence the first beats. This episode also overlaps with episodes 1 and 2, game... Framing, justification, and playing. First beats are the longest parts of the Herald. In a 25-ish minute Herald, the first beats should generally be about three minutes long. In that time, you're laying the groundwork for later beats, which won't have as much work to do. If you've framed the game in the first beat, and, if necessary, justified why the character is doing that weird thing in the first beat, then second and third beats will be easy, because you can just get right to the fun stuff right away. First up is Alex Dixon. We'd been talking about how she originally learned the Herald in Chicago and the differences she noticed when she started at UCB in New York City. So then coming to UCB, what were what were some of the like culture shock things in addition to like, so yeah, so game, just game. having that pointed out, like that kind of thing. Yeah. Game and premise. I don't think I fully, I remember being on Lloyd Night and getting in an argument with Glenn Buzan about premise and i realized i still didn't totally understand it we did the pattern game in a rehearsal and then i think let's say the suggestion was like cotton candy we did a whole pattern game and then i came out and initiated a scene where i was just eating cotton candy and at the end of the set glenn was like where was that idea from and i was like what idea and she was like your initiation and i was like I don't know, the suggestion was cotton candy. I was just like, what are you talking about? And she was like, yeah, but which premise from the opening? And I was like, it wasn't from a premise. We're doing improv. I I was like, in my mind, like the pattern game was kind of like, let's get on, which (laughs) it's crazy. I don't know. I fell asleep in class. But I was like, let's get on the same page. And then you can use these ideas if you want. Yeah. Because the Herald at I.O. in Chicago is also the actual form the Herald Mm -hmm. is still kind of like, this is you can use the structure if you want. Right. So a lot of Herald at IO are like you have a few first beats and then maybe a group game and then it's like whatever. Mm-hmm. So I think I was still marrying the two. So it was like I understood that we were coming up with ideas, but it also was like if you want. Sure. So Glenn was like, I know, but I just you came out first. Like that was the first first beat. So I assumed you were <laughs> and I was like Glenn, I don't know what you're talking about. I thought of cotton candy, and then I wanted to do an improv scene where we found out what it was. And she was like, I know what improv is. I just... And then Shannon was our coach at the time. Shannon was like, here's what's happening right yeah. now. And she just sort of like was like, Alex, Glenn is talking about this. Glenn, Alex is talking about... And I was like, I just remember being like, oh, you're supposed to, <laughs> to use those things. And like that was my like first time being like, Oh, that's why, like, initiations are really important. Like, it really, sadly, didn't, like, click until Mm -hmm. 
I did a bunch of pattern games on Lloyd Knight with Glenn, who's a game machine, who yeah. was like, you didn't tell me what the game was. And I was like, what? It's so funny that you two specifically, because, yeah, she's a, very much like a writer and yeah. like, thinks in that game machine way. Yeah. So for the two of you to clash, it's like you could not think of a better two opposing <laughs> pieces that would really show the difference. It also confused me because it was such a fun scene that I was like, I thought that she was saying, like, that scene didn't go well and here's why. Right. But she was more just trying to, like, be like, oh, let me understand yeah. what you were doing. And hey, I was I like, spent the first 30 seconds scared that I was <laughs> yeah. stepping on your toes. <laughs> right. And I was like, what? What toes? We're making up the toes. Uh, <laughs> I didn't That's come in a, with toes. Such a disturbing way of referring to organic improv. <laughs> There's no toes to step on. Guys, just make up your toes. <laughs> Let's assume no one has toes, guys. Uh, yeah. So how did then learning premise uh, in that way, how do you think that made you better at then uh, coaching or teaching that to other people? I think that I I always teach assuming that everyone felt the way that I did. Yeah. So like we were just talking about, I try not to just say game. I'll say it in different ways so that it clicks for different people. Um, but I also emphasize over and over again in – I teach 301 and 401, and I do this all the time for both of them, which is like do the pattern game, get on the same page, remember the premises that you like. If you're initiating, get your whole idea out there. And the job of the responder is just to respond to what they heard, not to go, wait, what happened to Panorama? Oh, this thing. So now I'm going to insert that. Like after the initiation, unless the responder is like, I know exactly what that is and I'm going to add another thing. But I see a lot of times the responder in a scene, the person with the second line, going like getting in their head immediately. And it's like, no, 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 no. The pattern game created the initiation and now the initiation creates whatever's going to happen, but like now the pattern game's over. Stop thinking about it. Because if that's what improv was, if it really was like remembering this opening that we did and continuing to like pull from it so that you're saying the right thing, I wouldn't do it. (laughs) So that sounds terrible. So I tell them that a lot. I'm always like, I push clear initiations largely so that the person who has the responding line can just exist. Yeah, and so that the person who has the idea for the premise can say it and then let it go and start actually listening to what's happening. Because I also see a lot of times the person who comes out and initiates knows the game in their head, but then if something more specific or more fun happens, they ignore it because they're like, no, this was the game from the pattern game. And it's like, no, but you found something that's still that game but richer or like more interesting or more specific and you blew past it. Because you're still standing in a semicircle right. <laughs> doing word association. <laughs> From 10 minutes ago, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I think I try to push that a lot because I think hearing it in that way over and over again would have helped me. Yeah. Because I did not understand that premise-based improv and the thing that I love about improv could be the same thing yeah. for too long. It took me too long to realize that. Yeah. So I try to get my students in like – even when we start talking about game in 101, I – I introduced the concept of like we're still listening and responding after that yeah. and reacting to whatever comes up. This is just changing the first five, ten seconds of a scene right. and then do that. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So I think that's largely how it affects how I teach. I think the the kind of like when you see those like not clear initiations or those like going back to the pattern game responses, it feels like when people are trying to play it too clever, like that, oh, I'm going to do a real subtle initiation, then we're going to like let it rest for a little while, then we're going to like really hit this. And it's like, 
the audience already saw you guys do this <laughs> in the pattern game. They know the waiter hates fish. Start with the waiter hating fish. Yes. Like, I don't want to see a whole setup of like, hmm, what am I going to order? What do you well, think you're going to order? Yeah, and it's so funny because I think what students and improvisers learn over and over again is when they initiate with saying clearly like mm-hmm. – I know I'm your waiter, but I hate fish. It gets such a big laugh because the audience is like, we know that premise. But when it's building, even if we eventually get to that line, at that point it's like, yeah, we know. Okay. And the audience is ahead of you. Yeah. So it's funny because it's like, guys, trust me. Building to it is not more interesting. Mm -hmm. Just say it. We already saw you build to it (laughs) by saying words at each other. work for six minutes. Why not use that work? That's what I say too. I'm like, guys, we just put in all that work. Why make it something that like was just what I used to think it was, which was just like I guess it was sort of a warm up to be for group mind. Right now, can we improvise? Right. But yeah, I see that a lot with like vague initiations where I'm like, okay, stop. You want her to say this so that you can then say this so that you can get the game out, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, just say that. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, audiences do love just immediately hearing the game. Mm-hmm. It's like when a band just starts playing their hit, everybody's like, yeah, we remember this. <laughs> right. Exactly. That was Alex Dixon. It's common to think that the first beat is entirely determined by the opening. But really, as Alex said, it's just giving us that first line. That responder just has to respond to what she heard because the pattern game's over. A common exercise that Lloyd and Harold teams will do is have half the team leave the room and have the other half do a pattern game. After the pattern game is over, the people outside of the room will re-enter and then respond to the initiations from the people who stayed in the room and did the pattern game. Those initiations, of course, have to be clear since half the team didn't see that pattern game at all. But also, the people outside the room end up responding more honestly than normally. And it almost always ends up matching the premise from the pattern game. Even if half your team hasn't seen your pattern game, they should be ready to respond to those initiations. And your initiations should always be so clear that even if half the team didn't see the pattern game, they can still respond and have fun right away. The opening gives just that first line for your first beats. So make sure that that first line is super clear and then start improvising. Up next is Jenny Santangelo, who's going to talk about openings and how they lead into first beats. I love coaching openings mm-hmm. and I love doing openings. I I really love the because for me openings are often character exploration and philosophy exploration. Like if we're doing like a scene painting opening, I'm having the worst time of my life because it just doesn't help me in the same way mm-hmm. that it does. Like other people's brains work really well with that. But when we're doing, when we're working on openings where it's character based or even physically based sound movement, that kind of stuff, I find that such an exciting, Oh, what does this all feel like? Does this feel connected in some way? Are right. all of these taking place in the same world, in the same universe, in the same room? Mm-hmm. You know, who are all of these people? How would they interact with each other? It just feels, I like the opening because it has all of that potential and possibility and you get to expand out and then, I don't know, like, like I don't know, first beats are so exciting, but I think it's like, oh God, look at all of the things this could be. Right. Before you have the like, did I do that right? Was that a good first beat? Did I, oh God, well in the opening we did this, but now I've brought this, you know what I mm-hmm. mean? All of the self-loathing that yeah, I yeah. have. And I love, what I love about coaching the opening is not so much the opening itself, but how you pull and initiate from mm-hmm. the opening. Because it's such an interesting exercise in, in people to understand 
what they think they're communicating and what they're actually communicating, right? So if you have, like, a guy with a magic frog and it doesn't dance for anyone but him, mm-hmm. the classic Looney mm-hmm. Tunes character. What's his name? Chester A. Frog? Something like that? Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, yeah, it is... Oh, fuck. Um, I can't think of it. The Kurt heads will know. Yeah. They'll know. Yeah. But, like, okay, so you got that guy. And you think, oh, right, we got this from the opening. It's so clear. It's so easy. And you come out and you go, hey, look what's in the box, right? And the other person's like, oh, your fingers or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and so we go, I love, I love being like, okay, cool. What were you hoping they were going to say? Yeah. Because that's always the thing, right? You're, always, you're generally trying to set the other person up, right? If you're like a nice person in improv. And I'm like, okay, what, what, what reaction did you hope they would have? And when it's unclear, it's often so complicated. Well, what I wanted them to do was say this, and then I was going to say this, and then right. this was going to happen. And it's like, cool, why don't we just start with either you saying the reaction you wanted to have, right? Yeah. Why don't you react to the reaction you want? Or... Start with the reaction yourself and gift them. It's it's fun to watch people start to like transform how they look at an opening, and I think people think it has to be really sly. Yeah, and it doesn't. No, I don't think it does. Do you think it has to be sly? Not at all. Especially the initiation, I think, should be so clear. Yeah, I I despise pronouns in initiations. Like Pretty, they like they said they, this. It yeah. one anything that's behaving like a pronoun. Yeah. Of of that. I mean, I feel that way actually about all improv of we should always be na- it shouldn't be like oh what's he doing tell me um, right I think it's like, uh, Michigan J Frog Michigan J Frog boom, boom baby boom it, that was going to bug me for days <laughs> um, so yeah it's like instead hey what's what's Larry doing what? right right what's Larry Francis doing over there oh my god Larry Francis is so funny giving people two names is so funny. <laughs> And, so stupid. Right? and it's like it's so dumb but any little wrinkle that we can like feel and mm-hmm. touch under our fingers right pronouns never have that and so yeah in an initiation of like the look at what's in here mm-hmm. what yeah and the thing the thing about it is you it it's it's sort of you know the road to hell is paved with good intentions yeah. it's like well i don't want to step on them i want to i don't want to i don't want to steamroll i want i don't want to be bossy about the scene and it's like right but without giving them any clarification or or any idea you're leaving someone who, probably feeling very stranded trying to do the thing you want them to do yeah right because you want to please each other and you want to go oh i should know what's in the box i am an idiot what's in the box jenny what's in the fucking box and that's not a good place to put your scene partner. Yeah. So instead, if you go, I've got a talking frog in this box, you want to see him? And then the other person should probably go, yeah. yeah. Or you could be a peanut pod, and you also have a frog in a Can box. Can you imagine how funny that would be? I have a talking frog in a box. You don't say. I also have a talking frog in a box. Did you shop at the witch store? Uh, I was just the witch store in the mall next yeah. to the Hot Topic. The one next to the Hot Topic? Yes. They were having a sale. Oh my God. Why didn't we go together? We should have. Uh, Carpool. Um, <laughs> See? Yeah. I've been, with that type of thing, I've been thinking of it in terms of like relationships, mm-hmm. in, in terms of it feels somehow better to like, yeah, be very sly and to like give you, I thought I was giving you the thing you wanted. Right. Which in a actual human relationship is never the thing. It's always, oh, did you ask that person what right. they wanted? Right. And then, or did they say, hey, this is the thing that I wanted? Right. Otherwise it's like, 
Read my mind. Read my mind, yeah. And, and then I'm mad. Exactly. <laughs> I'm mad. Yeah, it is always, I also find it fascinating. I think it's just human behavior. But it's like, I gave you, I gave you the whole world to create with. Mm-hmm. And you didn't do the thing I liked. You, this is your fault in some way. You know? Like when we get so attached to our internal mm-hmm. idea without expressing it. We have this expectation that they're either going to read our mind or be on the same page. And then we feel a sense of resentment. It's like, nah, dude. Or lady, hey, mm-hmm. that's on you, right? If you want this to happen in the world, you got to be the agent of your own change, yeah. man. I think in the first half of the scene, everybody should just be trying to get their heels on the floor. Mm-hmm. And then once you have that, everybody should be trying to get each other back on their toes. Yes. Right? It's yes. like, agree with each other so much that we know we know what the ground is. Yes. It's rock solid. Yes. We are in like this strong, like squat position of, yeah. I know the game. Yeah. Nothing can push me over. Right. And then... Find the biggest bat possible and just try to knock that person over. Right. But we we play it so much the opposite yes. of, oh, I'm going to play it real sly in the beginning. And then when you didn't get it, now I'm going to yell, oh, but you, your frog doesn't dance. It's a dead frog. Right. But it's too late now. It's too, too late. Too many other things have happened. Yeah. God, yeah. It is so funny. I, I use this analogy, this tent pole analogy. <laughs> So if you imagine like one of those old timey camping tents, right, where you mm-hmm. have two poles and then you have the cloth over top of it. I've never actually seen a tent like this, but truly what I have in my head. Yes. So when you're establishing the scene, right, you have the cloth is the reality. Mm-hmm. It's your base reality. And then one person's opinion or raison d'etre or game is one pole. And then the other person, whether it's matching you or whether they're the opposite of you or whatever their thing is, that's the other pole. Mm-hmm. And... What I see a lot of times happen is one person will be like, I was shipwrecked, right? And I'm coming onto this beach and I've come, I've washed up in Cozumel on like a party beach. This is a real scene I saw happen (laughs) and it was truly one of the funniest things I've ever seen. But they washed up on the beach and they were desperately looking for water and medical help. And the other person was like a lady on a singles cruise who's like on the beach looking for love. Right. And so the guy was desperately trying to get medical help and she was trying to flirt with him, mm-hmm. right? So his tent pole is the desperately seeking medical help. Her tent pole is trying to woo this man. Yeah. The minute either one of them fall into each other's game, the reality of the scene collapses, That's right? Great. If he If he's suddenly like, you know what? I don't need, give me a margarita. The scene dies. It dies. It falls flat. Everyone feels it and you feel so sad. So I think it's that same idea of like, you have to put your stakes in the ground. You have to understand what grounds you so that you can then breathe out from there. Exactly. You definitely want to feel that tension of, oh, it might fall at any second. Yes. Yes. But it never should fall. Right. It never should sway even. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That was Jenny St. Angelo. I love that tentpole analogy for scenes when two different characters have two different wants, which is, by the way, true of most two-person scenes, unless it's maybe a pee-in-a-pod scene. You can acknowledge what the other side wants, but you can't let it overcome what you're doing, otherwise the game of the scene dies. Up next is Bill DiPiero to talk more about playing first beats and initiations. What do you love about first beats? I feel like you can act a little more in them. I feel like you, you have a little bit more space... I mean, I think I play it like maybe a little slower clip sometimes, and then and I feel like I can settle into them a little more. They can be more organic. Yeah. And I feel like with a second beat or a third beat, it's like, how funny was the idea you cooked up? Yeah. Where with the first beat, it's like you're walking in, and you're you're able to really like feel out the scene, 
And I feel like that feels like more real behavior and it feels less of like, it's funny. It like feels less like improv to me. Yeah. Yeah. You get to then just act and react and do all that stuff and build it at a more realistic pace. Yeah. Where it feels like, I don't know, I guess like second and third beats feel more like sitcoms Mm -hmm. than like realistic. Yeah. Where it's like the base realities are heightened as well. And often like season five or six of sitcoms where we know the characters. Now they've become this insane version where Ron Swanson just wants bacon. Exactly. Give him bacon. Yep. It's like he's going to be grumpy about the government yeah. and want some bacon. Exactly. Yeah. And he's become this cliche. He's become this like accentuated stereotype of himself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as I'm talking through this, I probably should do like mono scenes and shit more often. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like I want to do that. <laughs> yeah. So then if you are coaching a group and you're working on the Herald, mm-hmm. what do you tell them for first beats? First off, what do you say – what advice do you give for initiating a first beat? Let's say they're doing yeah. pattern game opening. My main note in the Herald in initiating is just kind of like – it's usually like find a better way to say – what you mean. Mm-hmm. Say what you mean is yeah. what I'm like. Do you have an idea? Okay. If it's a yes, say it more directly. Right. If it's a no, then find ways to just like dig in. But if it, it's like a pattern game, you probably have a pretty yeah. clear idea. In what way do people say things in not directly enough? Like, is it, are they trying to hint at the idea or? Yeah, I think that's. And the thing is, I like to initiate more that way, too, because mm-hmm. it feels more artful or something. Yeah. But it um, often leads to ambiguity. Yeah. Where it's like, yeah, it's just like kind of say what it is. Or if you have like a very specific idea, then like maybe it's like you have an idea even of how the other person's reacting to you, then tell them that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, all right, don't be mad, but, you right. know, like say that. Say like... Or like I know this I know this might upset you. Yeah. Or like say like include that information so you're like laying things out as like clearly as you can. Yeah. I think I'm pretty forgiving with initiations mm-hmm. off of a pattern game. What do you like to see in first beats overall then? Ideally by the end of the first beat, I want some sort of a take almost. Yeah. I don't know. Improv is often it either feels like a take on something outside of the world or it feels like an inside joke that we've created. Mm-hmm. So, like, the opening is almost like, this is our inside joke, and now I'm referring back to it. So you set up that inside joke in the opening. You very much just want to see, hey, we have this inside joke with the audience now. Yeah. Pay that off. Yes. Right? Yeah. Where it's like, uh, referring back to it will get the laugh. And then there are also, like, more slice-of-life games where, like, I find it easy to, like, be the unusual person if we have, like, a really real base reality. Yeah. So, like, so if it's, like, a character behavior thing, I want a very real base reality because then it's going to feel funnier when they deviate from things, Mm -hmm. you know? You have to set the expectation really hard for a character game to stand out. A slightly strange character, if your world starts getting very crazy, mm-hmm. they're not going to show up. They're, you're not going to see what's so strange about them in that situation. Totally. 
And I want them to also feel feel as much of that tension as possible. Right. So if it's a first beat with that sort of game, yeah. you want to see a team really just like let's let's go into what is reality. Let's start with like a very like even more normal reality, so that that you know, hey, I'm setting you up to pop even more. Yes. I don't know. It's it's hard when you have the moment of discovery not happen in the scene, and then yeah. you just have to like recreate that out of right. nothing. It's, I right. think it's challenging. Yeah, I agree. I like to get past it as fast as possible because like you can't yeah. recreate it. Just like great, you are. With, they already saw creation. I like that inside joke thing a lot for that reason. They already saw the inside joke. Just start with that, and you can build from there. Yeah, and I think that's maybe why I like group games so much. Yeah. Because usually the moment of discovery happens in a group game. Yeah. Because people don't feel as beholden to come in with such a crystal clear idea, or it's maybe like, all right, we are all like archaeologists mm-hmm. looking for something, you know? And then from that, we'll have somebody deviate from the expectation, then we'll all deviate in that right. way. So it's like, I think this is maybe a DC thing, but there's often like, what's the trigger for this person? Yeah. What sets them off? And when you see the trigger happen, rather than having it explained to you earlier in the mm-hmm. beginning of the show, it's clear because people have an expectation of like, this is a trigger, this is the response. Yeah. You know, it's like that cause and effect idea. Yeah. Yeah. There's part of me that almost likes organic first beats better. Yeah. I don't think that necessarily leads to the best Herald because I feel like we've often been able to, I feel like our notes are often like, it picked up as it went along. Yeah. And I think it's because we're just jumping in at the more playful parts of the second beats. Mm-hmm. Or like more active or there's more people in them. So it's mm-hmm. more reactive and more people are able to establish the base reality. It's hard to like both be totally real and convincing as the base reality and then also set someone up to be unusual mm-hmm. in a first beat. Yeah. You're just doing a lot more work. With only those two people. I think that's maybe my biggest point. Like, and then also with coaching and then with doing it, it's like, I want to believe this. And if I don't believe it, it's going to be hard for me to really buy the unusual thing. Yeah. That was Bill DiPiero. It's not always easy to figure out the clearest initiation for every premise. It's a good thing to practice when you're watching other teams perform. How would you initiate each idea from the opening? Doing that regularly will make it easier for you to think of the same thing when you're on the back line. You should probably have initiations ready for at least two different ideas from your opening, just in case. Watch shows and practice that. Take note of the best initiations you see. The ones where the improvisers are able to just slide right into the scene and start having fun. Practice that when you're watching shows so that you'll do it naturally when you're performing in shows. Again, Be clear with that first line and help out your scene partner and teammate. Think about how much you enjoy responding to an initiation that's clear and fun and specific. Give your scene partner that same feeling. That was episode eight, First Beats. First Beats are altogether normally around nine to ten minutes. That's a good chunk of your Herald. Initiate them clearly and then let go of the opening and start creating a great scene. It's the best way to make sure that the rest of the Herald is great. Please rate and review the podcast on iTunes, and if you have any feedback for me, please send it to improv at curtisrutherford.com. That's C-U-R-T-I-S-R-E-T-H-E-R-F-O-R-D.com. Thanks to everyone who has already done so, and thanks to everyone who is part of this episode. 
Alex Dixon. Hi, I'm Jenny Angelo. Bill DePiro. And I'm Curtis Rutherford. <laughs>